Hey everyone, really quick before we get into tonight's stories, the channel is now eligible for Super Thanks. If you're unaware of what that is, it's very similar to a Super Chat that you would send during a live stream. It is a one-time donation that supports the channel, but now you can do it on videos instead of just live streams. It's really, really awesome way to support the channel if you can't pledge for five bucks a month or a dollar a month you just want to do a one-time dono if you really liked the story and my narration and you want to say thanks there's a little button down there underneath the video it's on mobile and it's on desktop as well just click it type in the amount and boom there you go obviously it's not necessary and i don't really have any ideas for perks if anyone were to give one um maybe i'll come up with something down the road but if that sounds like something you'd like to do and support me and the channel, I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you everyone for listening, and let's get right into tonight's stories. I was the first one to notice that something was living with us. It was small things at first. I'd leave something in one spot and come back later to find it moved. There would be a bag of chips that was halfway full, and two hours later they'd be down a quarter more. My first assumption was either I was being forgetful, or it was just my roommate, Sarah. I didn't know why she'd move my stuff around or eat stuff that she normally hated, but I also didn't think I was getting that absent-minded. And it wasn't a big deal, really, just little weird stuff that was mildly annoying, but not enough for me to mention. But then... Sarah's dad got sick, and she was back home for two weeks. Aside from having friends over once, no one should have been in that apartment but me, and things kept happening more and more. When Sarah got back, after she told me about how her family was doing with everything they had going on, I broached the topic of all the weird stuff I'd been noticing. I half expected her to laugh me off, but she didn't. Said she hadn't realized it was going on as long as I had, but she'd started seeing stuff moved or missing in the few days before she went out of town. She did laugh a little when she wondered out loud if our little house was haunted, but it sounded hollow. And when I suggested we get a camera to set up and see what was going on, she quickly agreed. Over the next three weeks, a couple of things became clear. First off, something was messing with the camera we'd bought. It would work fine, and then when a time came that something was going to be messed with inside its cone of vision, the feed would not record for five to ten minutes. Then it would be back like nothing was wrong. The second thing was... Well, it was... getting worse. Initially, it had just been the stuff being moved and food being eaten. And then it started feeling like I was being watched. Not in some generalized, paranoid way, like someone is watching you. No, this this felt very specific, very personal. As though someone I couldn't see was standing just a few feet away, silently staring at me. It would happen mostly in the living room at first, but over the next few days I started feeling it in the kitchen, my bedroom the bathroom. At first, I'd look around for someone or a hidden camera or something that explained what I was feeling. 
We'd already changed the locks and the alarm code, but it hadn't helped any more than the camera. When I realized I wasn't going to find anything, I tried to tell myself it was in my head. Sure, maybe something a little weird was going on, but I was blowing it way out of proportion, imagining invisible eyes that weren't there. During this period of me trying to convince myself it wasn't real, Sarah was doing the opposite. She wanted the house to be haunted. Initially, she just joked around about it, but the more worried I became, the more she seemed to embrace the idea that maybe there was some ghost lurking around, maybe even watching over us like a guardian angel. It got so I didn't talk to her about it much at all, and it was frustrating to share how nervous I was getting, only to see that spark of excitement flare brighter in her eyes with every creepy moment or strange discovery I recounted. Things changed for both of us one night in June. We were supposed to grill out on our patio. We hadn't really hung out together in nearly two months, and I think we both sensed that we needed to mend our friendship, regardless of what was going on with our house. I was outside lighting the charcoal when I heard a startled yelp from indoors. Walking inside, I saw Sarah standing in the middle of the living room. She wasn't looking at me. At first, I didn't think she was looking in any particular direction. It just seemed like she was staring straight ahead, her expression terrified. Then she noticed me, her eyes going wider as she shook her head. Don't. Don't come in here. I frowned at her. Why? Her face had gone pale. I... I was walking, going to bring out the spatula and tongs. She gestured to where she had dropped them on the floor. And... And, and, and I hit something. Her eyes went back to what looked like an empty space in front of her, and then found mine again. There was nothing there. Nothing I could see. I backed off a few steps, but I was afraid of what might happen if I run or something. I, I, I don't know if it's still there. Heart pounding, I nodded. Well, okay. Um, just... Walk sideways as far as you can and then walk toward me. If it didn't move, maybe you can get past it. I looked over and grabbed my car keys and phone from the nearby table. I should keep coming. That's it. Okay, let's go. We ran out of the house and out to my car, and once we were inside and going, it didn't stop until we were at a motel across town. We checked in and then sat scared in our room, thinking about what might have been and what we should do next. Sarah said it seemed wide and heavy, but it gave like a person would if you bumped into them. Said it seemed shorter than her, too. That she only felt it as high as her stomach, and though she immediately stepped back once she realized she couldn't see anything there. I wanted to make a joke of it, or explain it away, but I, I couldn't. Instead, I told her I believed her, and that we needed to start thinking about if we were willing to stay in that house anymore. I'd already half decided that I wasn't ever going back there beyond packing up my stuff, and I thought Sarah was of the same mind. Maybe in the moment she was, 
but by the next morning she was talking about how we couldn't just up and leave in the middle of our lease, especially without somewhere else to go. I argued with her, told her that was stupid, that we could figure out something until we found a new place, that we couldn't stay in a place with something that we couldn't see or understand, but that could decide to hurt us at any time. This seemed to almost make Sarah angry. She reminded me that whatever it was, it hadn't done anything to hurt us other than eat a little food and move things around a bit. And it was little. Maybe it was the ghost of some lonely child or something. I pointed out that I didn't think ghost children ate chips or could be bumped into, but she stared at me for a moment before shrugging. She said we could leave, but we needed to find a suitable replacement house first. In the meantime... We would just be careful. I could have argued harder. Demanded that we not sleep there another night, much less the weeks or months it might take to find a new place together. And if she still refused to listen to reason, I could have just left on my own. Part of the reason I didn't was because I knew I'd have a hard time finding a decent place to live without her help. As it was, she was paying most of the rent and over half the utilities, and I didn't see my money situation improving anytime soon. But the bigger part of why I wouldn't leave her was because she was my friend. I didn't want to leave her alone in that house with, well, whatever it was. So, I went along with it. I figured I'd just spend all my spare time looking for us a place and we could get out within a week. By the end of that first week, though, my hope of finding a place was quickly fading. This house was perfect for a lot of reasons, including being in a good neighborhood roughly the same distance from both our jobs. Finding something like that in our price range wasn't going to be easy, and it was becoming clear by the day that Sarah wasn't that keen on moving. It frustrated me, but I tried to tell myself that maybe I was overreacting. Nothing else had happened since we'd come back that past Friday, at least so far as I knew. We were sitting, watching TV one night when I decided to ask Sarah about it. Still, watching TV, she shook her head. No, nothing bad. I stared at her. So, something has happened. She looked at me briefly before looking away again. Uh, yeah, but again, it's nothing bad. It's kind of sweet, actually, Sarah sighed. But I knew you'd freak out again, so I just haven't mentioned it. Reaching across the sofa, I grabbed her arm. What happened? This time she turned to meet my eyes, her expression already growing defiant. He keeps holding my hand. Like a little kid would do. When I just stared at her in shock, she shrugged and went on. It's only happened a few times, and the first time it scared me, or at least I thought it did. You were at work, and I almost left and called you, but then I realized I was overreacting. I was just startled, not scared. I stood up shaking. Startled? Bullshit! This... This thing is fucking grabbing your hand and you think you shouldn't be scared? I shook my head. It's in your head or something. It has to be. You're not dumb and this is really, really stupid. 
Sarah was frowning up at me like a petulant child. You're making too big of a deal out of it. This has been going on for days and nothing bad has come from it yet. Something struck me then. When's the last time you went to work? I don't know. A few days? I decided to take a few days off. It's no big deal. Okay. And when's the last time you left the house? I've been assuming you were just beating me home, but I can't think of the last time I saw you outside this place. She shrugged, her voice softer and trembling as she lowered her gaze. I don't know, okay? A few days. I knelt down in front of her, grabbing her hands. I kept my voice at a whisper, though I didn't know if it'd matter. Sarah, something is really wrong here, okay? We need to get out of the air was knocked out of me as I was shoved across the room and hit the TV stand. I was dazed for a moment, and when I got it together enough to think of Sarah, I looked up just as she was going into her bedroom and closing the door. Tongue thick in my mouth, I staggered to my feet and tried her bedroom door's knob before beating on it and yelling for her to open up. I thought she wasn't going to answer at all, but then I heard her voice, soft and shuddering with fear, just on the other side of the door. Just go. Please. It's okay. I felt a stir of relief at hearing her voice, but also at her telling me to go. I wanted to go. I wanted to go more than I'd ever wanted anything, maybe. But I also didn't want to abandon my best friend. Hitting the door again, I yelled for her to come out, to come with me. I can't. They won't let me. What? What do you mean, they? more than one of them. You need to go before they decide they want you to. I rested my forehead against the door for a moment, blood drumming in my ears as my heart grew cold. I think I whispered that I was sorry. Maybe I even lied and said I'd bring her help. All I know for sure is that I ran out into the night and never went back. That was two years ago. I haven't heard from Sarah since that night, and I've made a point not to look for her. Partially out of guilt, partially out of fear, but mainly because I don't want to be infected with whatever got my friend. I want to forget all of that, even forget her, if it means I can go on and have a normal life. For a time, it seemed to be working. I moved to another state and essentially started over, which made it simpler for me to forget. Easier for me to lie to myself that whatever had seen Sarah and claimed her had forgotten about me. Even though in their own way they revealed themselves to me first. I woke up at night, skin cold and sweaty in the dark. That wasn't strange. I have terrible dreams often, and I don't sleep well on the best of nights. Still, this was different somehow. The darkness of the room felt heavier as I climbed out of sleep. I realized the hand that I had draped off the bed didn't move when I tried to shift over onto my back. Something was 
holding my hand, its spongy fingers woven firmly within mine. Laying out a scream, I started yanking at my hand, desperately realizing too late that there was a shifting weight behind me on the bed. An invisible weight draped over me. A massive, unseen arm. Maybe, though, it felt cold and soft and strange through the thin cotton sheet that lay between it and my skin. The weight curled around to my front, cradling my chest and sliding me backwards a few inches as my back pressed against the larger bulk of the thing. A cold, spicy smell filled my nostrils, and I began to gag in between my feeble attempts to scream. The things gave no response to my cries for help, keeping me, holding me, touching me in the dark for hours before finally letting me go without a sound and only one sign. It was a sign that didn't say goodbye, but instead, see you soon. Not a warning, but a promise. A promise that they would always find me. When the sun started to rise, the larger one behind me pushed back the hair at my neck and pressed an unseen burning kiss there. I shuddered and tried to scream again, my voice nothing but a raw, squawking whisper by then. It didn't seem to matter to them. A heavy weight shifted off the bed as unseen things uncoiled from between my fingers. For a few minutes, I was terrified, violated, paralyzed by fear, but desperate to get up and move, run away, fight it if I had to, just so long as I could be away from them forever. But as the sun rose, I felt myself sinking. I was so exhausted, and I'd think more clearly after some rest. And after all, they hadn't really hurt me, had they? I gave a final violent shudder as I cried into my pillow. And then I was fast asleep. I was part of a group that loved to take part in outdoor activities. We planned excursions every second weekend where we would try things out like canoeing or trekking through the woods. There were over a dozen regulars in the group with a few others who would occasionally join us. We were recently approached by a company who wanted us to explore something for them. We were initially hesitant, but they offered us a lot of money and we couldn't say no at this point. We gathered whatever supplies we thought we might need and climbed onto the bus the company provided. Everyone was in a jubilant mood as we were walking forward to whatever awaited us. It took almost an hour to arrive at the site. There were dozens of people milling about. We were ushered off the bus into a tent. I looked over at Chloe, who I've had a crush on ever since she joined. I was about to ask her something when a group of men in suits marched into the tent. They began speaking rapidly and telling us that we were going to be famous after today. They brought up a picture of a pyramid that showed only the tip sticking out of the ground. 
They explained that it had recently been uncovered and we were going to be the first people to step inside. We were given very little time to consider what they had just told us as we were herded out of the tent through the throngs of people. My eyes widened as I spotted the pyramid in the distance. The company had used machinery to dig around the sides and it dwarfed anything I'd ever seen before. If you try to use a banana for scale, then the banana would be like an ant compared to a human. We were led down a path that had been dug out which led to the edge of the pyramid. Crew members were standing by, and when we approached, they used crowbars to open a hole in the side of the pyramid. A breeze emanated from the pyramid which reminded me of graveyards. I had a sense of foreboding that if we entered inside, then we would probably never come out alive. The others were excited to enter while I stood there undecided. I really wanted to turn and flee, but my fragile male ego wouldn't let me. I felt someone's hands take mine. I looked over to see Chloe staring up at me. My lower brain took over, and I knew that I was going inside now no matter what. We marched inside while being careful not to damage our supplies. We entered a narrow passage and moved further inside so everyone had room. There were torches in the walls that probably hadn't been lit in centuries. I spun around as I heard a loud thud behind us and was stunned to discover that they'd sealed us in. We hammered on the walls for an hour until we decided it was pointless. John, who was the unofficial leader of the group, suggested we go further inside and there may be another way out. No one else had any better ideas, so we began to follow the passage. We began to huddle together as we could hear the sounds of something moving in the walls. There were small holes dotting the walls, and I peered in one to see a pair of red eyes staring back. Chloe's hands were now holding on to mine for dear life, and I used it as comfort to keep me going. We reached a T-junction with two possible directions to choose. They both looked identical, so we just turned right as we could double back if we needed to. One of the members screamed as the torches lining the walls suddenly came aflame. Chloe's grip became vice-like, and I looked down at her to see her looking behind us. I followed her gaze and my entire body went numb as I stared at the hundreds of rats now behind us. They varied in size, but the largest was the size of a Labrador. Their red eyes were locked on us, and I wanted to flee from their sight. John marched toward them and began waving his arms to scare them off, but they didn't flinch. They actually began to move toward him instead. John looked as though he was about to say something, but his words were cut off mid-sentence as the largest one rushed forward and bit clean through his leg. John fell to the floor with a look of shock on his face. The other rats charged forward, and John was soon engulfed in a writhing mass of rats. John's head turned toward us, and his mouth opened, and I almost vomited as a rat crawled out of his mouth. Within minutes, his body was nothing but a pile of blood and bones. We all stood there silently, watching as we were all so awestruck at what we were witnessing. I began to back away as the blood-soaked rats climbed over what was left of John's body and toward us. It was like a switch had just clicked in our heads, and we all turned and fled. 
We ran blindly down passages without caring that we were going deeper inside. I could hear the scampering sound of the rats slowly fading further into the distance. My sides were aching when I paused to catch my breath. I was relieved to find Chloe standing beside me as I was worried she might have run off in another direction. I did a quick head count and was horrified that we were missing some of the other members. I was about to head back looking for them when I heard screams of agony which were abruptly cut off. I searched through our packs and grabbed anything that could be used as a weapon and distributed it amongst the others. Sarah, who was the youngest in the group, gave out food and water to everyone before curling up into a ball and falling asleep. We were in a small room with only two entrances and decided to rest here for a few hours. I took first watch so that the others could sleep. I kept getting the weird feeling that I was being watched, so I was constantly on guard. I woke Adam to take over the next watch and had a restless sleep as I kept dreaming of a pair of red eyes standing over me. I was awoken to the sounds of arguing and pushed myself up to see Chloe giving out to Adam. I was about to ask what was going on when I realized we were the only ones here. Adam began apologizing to me and I came to the sickening realization he'd fall asleep on his watch. I saw the bloody stains where the bodies of the others had been dragged out while we slept. I couldn't look at him in the eye, and I refused to accept his apology. Chloe came over, and we both agreed to watch each other's back. We moved in the opposite direction of where the bodies had been dragged, with Adam slowly following us. He kept muttering under his breath that he was just tired. It wasn't his fault. It started to get warmer, and I had to remove my jacket as the heat was sweltering. We reached a doorway that overlooked a large room. We had to switch our lights back on as the room was pitch black inside. We began to climb down stone stairs until we finally reached the bottom. Our lights seemed to be ineffective as they barely lit up an arm's reach in front of us. I walked slowly as carefully as I could but fell face first onto the ground after tripping over something. I tasted blood in my mouth and I knew that I'd bitten my tongue. I pushed myself to my feet and looked back to see what I tripped over. I stared in wonder at the body of Sarah who lay on the ground staring upwards. Her body was partially wrapped in bandages and it looked like someone had ripped open her stomach. I felt a hand on my shoulder and spun around to find Chloe standing there. She began gesturing around and I looked up to see a weird glowing light. It began to get brighter with each second, and I noticed hundreds of bodies lining the room. The light suddenly became blinding, and I had to shield my eyes for a few moments until it went dark again. My eyes took a few seconds to readjust, and I froze when I saw Stara standing in front of me. I barely had time to think as her hands wrapped around my throat. Her grip was immensely tight, and I tried desperately to remove it, but to no avail. My sight was getting blurry as I struggled to breathe. Sarah's face was inches from my own, and there was no emotion on her face as she choked the life from my body. I was about to embrace death when Sarah's grip loosened and I saw a torch being smashed into her skull repeatedly. I took deep breaths as soon as her hands left my throat. 
Chloe then grabbed my hand and began dragging me away. I could hear shuffling noises around us and I knew the other bodies were moving around. We had to duck and dodge numerous times when we ran into someone during our desperate bid to escape. We lost Adam at some point and neither of us seemed to care. I nearly screamed in happiness when we reached the far wall and discovered a ladder that led upwards. I was about to tell Chloe to climb up first when her hand was ripped from my grasp. I turned to see her being dragged away by an almost dozen bodies. I rushed toward her to help, but it was forced backwards as hands began reaching toward me. I backed away from them until my back collided with the ladder. I didn't give it a second thought and began climbing upwards and hopefully toward freedom. It seemed to take an eternity to reach the top. I climbed out onto a wooded area that was a short distance from where we had entered. I explained to the people what had happened, but no one believed me. I joined a new activity group not long afterward, and wasn't surprised when the same company approached us, asked us to explore something for them. They didn't recognize me, and this time I've come prepared. I have enough explosives to destroy this pyramid for good. I hope that I can rescue Chloe, and if not... And I will die trying. Hey everyone, I want to say thank you to listening to tonight's stories. I know this video is a little bit shorter than what we've done here the past couple of days, but I'm just feeling a little under the weather. Not necessarily a cold, but more of like it's more mental, to be honest, but we're not going to get into that. I want to ask you all a question. Given what happened in the last story, if, and they may already do this, I'm not sure, if there was a way to take a guided tour through the pyramids or maybe the catacombs of Paris, would you do it or would you be a little too freaked out? Me personally, <laughs> I'm not necessarily claustrophobic. I'm more uh, kinophobic. I don't like wide open spaces. Like empty voids kind of freak me out. So a really long corridor or hallway that just is complete blackness at the end and I can't quite tell where it ends. That's a big, big no for me. And I feel like the claustrophobicness of it would get to me at some point. But really the the voidness of it would, would be the biggest thing for me in the beginning. So if there was a way to safely like tour the catacombs or the insides of the pyramids or whatever, would you do it? I'm just kind of curious. Also, second question, relating back to the first story. If you bumped into something... That, that wasn't there, would you leave immediately? Because I think I would, to be honest. It's something that... I'm not a very paranormal person. Like, I don't really believe in ghosts or anything of that nature, to be completely honest. Which maybe is off-brand for someone like me, but I don't really believe in any of it. But if I were to run into someone or something that wasn't there... I would move like I would go bankrupt 
just to get out of wherever I was. I'd go live with my mom again. <laughs> I would do whatever I can to get the hell out of that place. But that's just me. Maybe I'm being dramatic. Maybe some of you are ghost hunters. Who knows? If you are, link me your channel or like share a story in the comments. I'd love to hear it. But I want to take a quick second to shout out all the $5 patrons and members like we do every video. If you pledge $5 a month here or on Patreon, you get a shout out at the end of the video. So, without further ado, thank you to Absent Alice, Alice E, Amethyst, Amet, Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If in Doubt, Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justinia Zaromsky, Karen Parrott, Kat, Kathy Flanning, Lee Riggs, Laura Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bandon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, The New Ongoing 24, Tiger Princess, Trish Love, Tish Love, sorry, Triumph, and Victorious Step. I never get that in one take, I promise. Thank you all for the amazing continued support. I hope you have a wonderful day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. And as always, take care of yourselves. Thank you. 